Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. I don't smile because they don't say anything funny. I mean, like, I, I just react to people the way they come off, you know. If you come off like like you don't know anything, <laughs> that's how I'm going to react to you. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, consider a man, call him Leopold, who could look at two pieces of iron and make them spontaneously fuse together just by thinking about it. Is Leopold truly a welder? <laughs> Depends on what truly means here. Uh... That's true. We do need an analysis of truly. I mean, I feel like the analysis of truth is so much more important than the analysis of welding. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> There's so little attention to, you know, like the ontology of welding, you know, the true nature of welding right now. I think that's <laughs> actually what is, Rubio is complaining about. Since time immemorial. Yeah. Thinkers have wondered. Man has. <laughs> was, what was Rubio? What, this is this is all, this is all. I think you have to go on Twitter, Tamler's Twitter feed, to know uh, what this discussion is about. But what was the Rubio? Or just reference? follow politics to even the slightest degree. Maybe that that would be way that would be a way worse way to. to know yeah, what's my going Twitter on. feed. It's a definitely the lesser of two evils between following <laughs> politics. Uh, yeah. So Rubio said, you know, it's funny because. He said that in the context of trying to make a point that we overly fetishize the bachelor's degree and we we sort of look down on somebody just learning a trade um, and then getting a job in that trade, he said that we need more welders and fewer philosophers. Somehow, you know, philosophy had to get dragged into that for some reason. <laughs> like he couldn't have said like comparative literature majors or like... Whatever. Jeb Bush said there are too many psychology majors. I know. You know? I, I we're feel under like attack. We're all, we're all getting shit on. This podcast specifically, in combin- like <laughs> the candidates in combination are clearly sending a coded message to us. Yeah. <laughs> The the thing is, though, I, I don't think this is true for psychology, but ph- philosophy, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And that was probably the best thing that could happen to us, because then all of a sudden there's all these charts and graphs in USA Today about, like, how much philosophy majors make and how much welders make. I feel bad, you know, welders didn't ask to be dragged into this either, but... Uh, <laughs> welders are like, what the fuck did we yeah. do? Wait, we don't need more? I don't even have a job as it is. <laughs> right. It would be one thing if he had said, like, STEM people or something like that. <laughs> First of all, robots are going to take over everything. Right. Um, second of all, I think you need, you know, like, advanced training to do the really cool kind of underwater welding that you see. <laughs> like Leopold can do. <laughs> yeah. Underwater. Exactly. Underwater. Welding. <laughs> um. Uh, do you think that these politicians say this shit off the cuff or do you think they like actually like focus grouped like welding? How, how about welding? Or, or if they were like, you know, what about like shoemaking? Wait, that's not a thing anymore. Right. I mean, it was, was like his like debate prep. Like we have to get a pot shot in about philosophers. <laughs> that plays well to our base. What's the one discipline that won't <laughs> fight back? <laughs> Jews and philosophers. <laughs> They won't fight back, uh, the philosophers, but they will bitch about it. Uh, you know, there were like, all these statements of solidarity with. That was the big event of the weekend. <laughs> it was. A, it was a very. A lot of philosophers took that very personally. Um, 
and like I said, I, but but now then it slowly began to dawn on all of us that this was the best thing that could have possibly happened for philosophy. It's a little like well, when like a nude have... pic, picture gets leaked of a celebrity that's been out of the news a little too long, you know. It's it's like the the field as a whole accidentally tweeted a cockpic. That that analogy hits a little too close to home with uh, philosophers at this. <laughs> it was my hand. My penis just happened. I was to doing the shot. Uh, yeah, no, evolution of the hand. <laughs> Speaking of evolution of the hand, my hand did not evolve enough to not like maybe be broken from a Dude, bad bike he- crash. What the hell? You're too old first of all to be riding a bicycle. Do you have one of those uh hats with a little <laughs> with a little helicopter thing on it? <laughs> do, you, do you have a basket? <laughs> I have, I am a very accomplished bike rider and the fact is that this was just bad luck, you know, hitting a <laughs> hitting a train track. And, the, and and it had clearly been like the site of previous bike carnage because I found like this <laughs> this totally destroyed bike light which I thought was mine and then I realized oh no that's the last bike that crashed here uh, but the, you were doing like CSI forensics while your fucking wrist, wrist is broken well, and, <laughs> you're like yeah, crawling that, around and I have, like, and you're a like uh-huh. yeah <laughs> uh, you know I have a friend in um, Toronto who actually this happened to the the street trolleys um, they're all over Toronto yeah. and she was riding her bike and it, her, her tire got caught. She went over the handlebars. That was me. Uh, yeah. And she is, she was able to make it to the side of the road and, you know, before any cars came and grabs, you know, dragged her bike over and she was just bruised up. She takes a taxi to the hospital. Her friend meets her there. And she's waiting in the waiting room. She realizes she's kind of scratched up, but she starts getting this really, really nasty pain in her side. And um, it's getting worse and worse, but she's not triaged because she doesn't look like anything's bad. She, all she had was a little rip in the front of her jeans. Right. And they, the pain is getting so bad that they're like, fine, they bring a doctor and they take an x-ray of her. And the doctor comes into the room, rushes into the room as soon as the x-ray uh went through and he's like um you have part of your brake handle in your thigh it had basically uh, as she went over as she went over her own her own handlebars the handbrake broke off penetrated her jeans and went inside of her and that's what was causing the pain oh god is how horrible so you, you could have been a lot worse jesus christ ivan Illich <laughs> has nothing on her <laughs> He was shoddy bitching. Canadian workmanship. Um. So today we're going to have a brief discussion about a lot of the stuff that's been happening on campuses lately, specifically Yale and Missouri, and I guess now Amherst have been in the news. Topic of 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 considerable controversy within a certain kind of magazine slash website blog. The, the Atlantic, Slate, New Republic, and, and, you know, in the Times. So we'll give our take and try not to get into a huge fight about it, right? Like All of those fancy liberal rags that you read yeah, those routinely. Yeah, Jew rags. Just say it. <laughs> the that Jew just sounds York like Times. what you would put over your hair to, like, make it less curly. <laughs> One thing you can't say about me is that I have a Jufro. My hair is just <laughs> as straight as it gets. Um, first, before that, though, any thoughts about what happened in Paris? We're recording this on Monday following the attacks. Um, any thoughts? I mean, beyond you know, just- I, I, I feel like it's one of those those things where anything I could say is so obvious. But then sometimes you're just like, you know, isn't is it Wittgenstein that says, you know, just like when you can't say anything, silence. Some <laughs> butchering the quote. <laughs> but like, it's just like, fuck, man. You know, Jesus yeah. Christ! What yeah. the hell is wrong with everybody? Yeah, is- I agree. It's it's brutal. It was it was. Uh, I I do. I think it's going to just get worse. People are already now. And this actually pissed me off. I will say this: that 
a bunch of governors, including the governor from my state, Texas, said they're not going to accept Syrian refugees now because maybe one of the people had Syrian passports. Like, that's just such – that's just – what a fucking pussy. Like, why – just like, – really, you're that terrified of a Syrian refugee, like, who's running from these same lunatics that – uh, that you're supposedly so scared of, and now you won't let them be in Texas. We're supposed to be this big badass state, and it's, it's just it's so like, ridiculous. Well, you know what makes it extra ridiculous is it's it's a pretty good kind of pandering to the fear monger, um, where it's like obviously that's not a rational, defensible, reasonable, moral thing to do. There's like if there happens to be one Syrian terrorist, then I'm actually gonna like. Like turn my back on on tons of suffering people because they're somehow to blame because of the but, remote negligible possibility that they'll <laughs> just start they'll organize some sort of terrorist episode in San Antonio. It's, it's ridiculous. But you know what? The American public is is has brought Donald Trump this far. I'm surprised that Donald Trump hasn't found a way to blame it on the Mexicans yet. <laughs> Don't like brag about your cowardice. You know, that's the thing that drives me crazy about it is, you know, like security comes from it, it, it's 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 uh, it's a uh, weird way parallel. To, it's like they want Texas to be one giant safe space from well, like even the hint I, of like different. Yeah. See, I don't think it's cowardice. I mean, if anything, I, like they're just like, don't mess with don't mess with Texas. That's not. It's not cowardice. It's That's revenge. Saying, don't, it's like, no, you're not allowed re- into Texas. Yeah, it's revenge. I don't think anybody – you see how many like people are like, you come if you come to the U.S., just know we're armed to the T. Like, go ahead and try that here, motherfuckers. Like, right. that's the response. That's so the right response. I, I think that it's – I don't think that's the right response. Well, that's a better response that- than – that would at least be we're not being cowards about it. Like yeah, well, I don't think he's you being can a come, coward. you can stay pandering. here. But if you try any, sh- try any of your Muslim <laughs> terrorist shit, like we, you know, they just passed the campus carry law, we'll be ready. I I I don't think it's cowardice. I think it's fear mongering and and fear mongering is cowardice though. Well, I, but. You're saying that he really genuinely believes that it's safety and that he's a coward for not letting Syrians in because we, he's not willing to accept the risk because out of fear. I don't think he's but, actually afraid that a Syrian no, refugee is going to be. But the, yeah, but, think, the, but the statement, the rationalization for it just exudes cowardice. Like why would you pick a rationalization that exudes cowardice? Well, I, I think that is because it's just a good play for American votes to make them feel afraid of something. It just hits the right buttons, man. It's all. And this is the way in which John Hyde is right. Like the use of emotions, like these negative, like emotions by politicians. This is what these these people are smart. Like they're smart. He's the people who say this shit. They're doing it so that they can rally the troops to vote for them in November. That's fine. So, I I agree. Like I, I'm not denying that there are cynical motives and that you know Greg Abbott is really worried about a, a, a terrorist ring being started because he accepts him like I, I don't think that that's true but at least the language that he uses the language that he, that's supposed to appeal to the voters is like you're all a bunch of cowards you can't handle even the slightest possible risk and I'm going to make sure that you don't have to face that slightest possible risk and so you can all be happy and not show any the tiniest bit of moral courage like yeah we will risk a little to to have yeah. thousands of people who are fleeing a bunch of murderous, crazy people to. So is it is that really what you say? Because I, I didn't listen to the comments, but is is it is it really a bunch that of governors. because it's not just Syrian refugees? No, no, no. But I mean specifically Texas. Is it specifically because Syrian refugees pose a risk, or is it because like yeah, out of just vengeance for no, 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 there no, because no, no. it's all they all mention the fact that one of the and I don't even know if this is true. One of the uh, t- suspected terrorist in Paris had a had a Syrian passport and may have been a refugee. Although it's not clear, there's it's very disputed whether that's true or not. But even if it is true, there's no evidence, zero. There's zero cases of a Syrian refugee here trying to organize anything or being a part of ISIS or anything like that. There's, but that's, yeah, no, that's, that is the justification. It's not, oh, we're going to punish because it doesn't punish ISIS. They hate the refugees more than Greg Abbott does. They're fleeing their murderous new regime. Yeah, That's why they're refugees. If it's revenge, it's revenge against who? Well, you know, I mean, it's basically no matter what all it's doing is stirring up a whole bunch of 
of bigoted feelings in people. And I, people like that. People, it riles them up. Speaking of topics. Well, this puts, yeah, this puts shit in perspective. Cause I know that you're drawing a comparison, but, but, um, in, but in a way that I think you would agree. Yeah. Right. That, that like, um, there's this controversy about, <clears throat> about, um, speech on on campuses is just looks extra dumb in the face of like mass <laughs> mass killings um but but yeah why don't you go ahead and give i i'll admit to having not followed the whole thing until today which, which is unbelievable <laughs> i just don't I understand like I, i'm jealous actually of the world that you live in <laughs> that you could have avoided all the stuff about you i mean it's your alma mater the, Yale the is the your iPad, alma mater this is happening on your campus the ipad pro came out <laughs> You're getting ready. You've been standing in line all weekend for the Star Wars. Like, uh, <laughs> right. Who um, are you going to be dressed as? Like Chewbacca? Motherfucking or... David Pizarro. <laughs> um, Mulan. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's um, a nice – there is a nice segue. So yes. I, 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 there were a couple of things that happened last week when people thought that this mattered, and people really did. Like the top five stories at The Atlantic, which is one of my favorite magazines, like websites to go to. Now that Grantland shut down, it's pretty much the, like my go-to. I guess the, there was there's two different things. There's the one at Missouri where students demanded that this president resign and then the co- and then the athletes got on board and said they weren't going to play against BYU if uh, the president didn't resign one student went on a hunger strike for a while and wait what did the president do well that's not totally clear i mean this is one of the weird things about that story which which in the narrative is that's the one where campus activists actually did some good and were responding to just a genuine issue. However, it's it's actually weirdly hard to figure out what this president is supposed to have done. So there are a couple of racist incidents on campus. Somebody yelled the N-word at a, at, um, a black student. Or black student? I think it was a black student. Although it wasn't clear if that person was a student. And this pattern of racist behavior. And I guess they found his response insufficient. Nobody has any sympathy, it seems like, for this president. Like, he was, you know, he's one of these new kind of businessmen, run a, run a university like a corporation. So... I don't think anyone's crying for this guy, but it is weirdly hard to figure out what were the grounds of insufficient response to to these to this behavior is is what I can gather, which is fine. And he did resign. He did resign. Yeah, no, they yeah. they got it. And it, it one interesting sort of side. This this could actually lead to some genuine good. Is the college the the college athletes the, the football athletes? Because I doubt like if it had been like the field hockey don't say it <laughs> don't but, but the football players they clearly showed that they have some power they they have leverage over these universities right now right you know like they if the universities aren't doing something like because that would have cost the university a ton of money if they had just refused to play against people no that's yeah. true man that's that's true they wield a power that they don't realize as, as young kids they yeah. they are being yeah, they're making a lot of money for a lot of people. Yeah, that was sort of an interesting, you know, just consequence of that whole thing is people realizing that. The the, the one that uh, that you've read about, I think, more extensively now is the thing at Yale where there was a, uh, an email sent out for people that should be sensitive about what they wear for Halloween because, I don't know. Like it can, yeah. it can so, so apparently be offensive a staff, to people. Right. Well, and you know, we've seen every year there's some like Facebook post about like completely tasteless Halloween costumes where people go in blackface or as Nazis or whatever. And, 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 you know, whatever. I didn't see the original email that was sent out from the staff at Yale, but it was, I take it something like, Hey, just so you know, here's some like, if you're too dumb to know, to know like what might be offensive, here's some examples of what you probably shouldn't wear. Right. <clears throat> um, I don't know what the tone was, but I imagine that it it was very specific and very um, probably like kind of boilerplate, like because it was yeah. sent out from the administration and um, right. So then a woman, actually, I don't have the names. You know her, right? 
I I know him. So Nicholas Christakis and his his wife, whose whose name um, I'm forgetting. Um, so, so you just think that her, like you identify her as the wife of. Well, I know him, <laughs> um, Erica Eric. Christakis. Um, it, so she sent out an email. So the way that the Yale system works is that um, there are faculty and residents at the dorms the 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 dorms have these old you know long traditions and they have usually a professor <clears throat> or a couple um living in residence with the students it's a, and it's to be appointed is quite an honor i i knew um I, I know frank kyle who's a psychologist was was one of the the house uh fellows whatever they call them masters um, they call them masters which is weird yeah, yeah, it's a weird old tradition. Um, but she said, "Are there are there women talking. mistresses?" <laughs> I think they are also. <laughs> yeah, it's hard Mistress. to know where which way the sexism goes there. <laughs> um, the, the she sent out an email saying, and it, it was I encourage people to read it for themselves because in our summaries it might you know it might betray the way the way that you read an email. I'm sure has what like the the tone that you put to an email really has a lot to do with it but i as i read it i found it to be a fairly reasonable email saying that um you know it sort of kind of sucks that that you'd have to be told exactly which costumes are appropriate and which aren't that you're adults and you should be able to dress yourselves and you should be allowed to make mistakes if you wear something if you find that somebody's wearing something else uh, something you find offensive ignore them or tell them that you find it offensive but she thought but don't I, I make it like thought, a civil like don't make it like a title nine lawsuit right yeah and um but she didn't there, say that that's already more inflammatory than the email was she just said like look you know you're you're, you're eight you're, you're you're young you're dumb you know like and there's something that's okay about like being being like that at that age uh, or at least not that people shouldn't call you out on it, but at least this, you know, right. like we shouldn't get too carried away sort of looking for things to be outraged about on Halloween. Right. Uh, so she said and she said, I have the email up here. I don't wish to trivialize genuine concerns about cultural and personal representation and other challenges to our lived experience in a plural community. I know that many decent people have proposed guidelines on Halloween costumes from a spirit of avoiding hurt and offense. I laud those goals in theory, as most of us do. But in practice, I wonder if we should reflect more transparently as a community on the consequences of an institutional, which is to say bureaucratic and administrative exercise of implied control over college students. So then she goes on to, to totally agree about that. Yeah, uh, which is fine. Now, and then she she went on to say that she thought that um, that there was actually virtue in letting young people make these sorts of mistakes um, and that we shouldn't just turn to authority figures to tell us um, what we can and cannot do. So it's a long email, but but this set off a, a whole bunch of what is is a, quite an amazing, <laughs> by any sense of the word, response um, from from a number of of Yale students. But in in a nutshell, there is a <clears throat> little video of students confronting Nicholas Christakis, basically demanding that they demanded that they they have demanded that they resign as the house masters. Um, in Silman College, and there's a, a young woman just <laughs> yelling, yelling out to him, and then just getting increasingly angry. And he's just cool as a fucking cucumber, dude. I know. I th th did you watch that video? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was a little hard to stomach, honestly. But it was hard to stomach. I Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Listen, listen. It doesn't deserve to be listened to. Unsafe behavior. Be quiet. For all students, do you understand that? As your position as master, it is your job to create a place of comfort and home for the students that live in Silliman. You have not done that. By sending out that email, that goes against your position as master. Do you understand that? Then no, I stop. don't agree with that. Then, then why the fuck did you accept the position? Because what I have the a fuck hired you? I have a different vision. You should step down. If that is what you think about being a master, you should step down. It is not about creating an intellectual space. It is not. Do you understand that? It's about creating a home here. You are not doing that. You're supposed You're to be our advocate. This, you should be at the event last night when you hear a Franco say that she didn't know how to create a safe space for her freshman in Silliman. How do you explain that? These freshmen have 
Christakis from from the interactions I've had with him is you know I don't know him personally very well but he he just he strikes you as a genuine and nice guy. Friend. He's <laughs> I would call him a friend. Um I don't know. I you know this is I'm not I'm not full of bile. <laughs> so they've demanded so the 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 charge is essentially that this email was um, insensitive because it was essentially saying it's okay to to make the decision to wear offensive costumes. You shouldn't you you shouldn't have to be told that it was you can't do this. Of, <clears throat> it was it dismissive, was dismissive of, of those concerns. That's the charge, right? And <sighs> yeah, and so so then it just it's turned into like a, a sort of across across a few campuses um, a, a a huge sort of protest movement calling calling for the the amherst response is the most ridiculous one but essentially the yale students are calling for for them to to resign their posts um are they still doing it like i don't know do they still want because one of the sad parts of the story was that your friend issued (laughs) like an apology for Uh, how for his behavior which i you know that struck me as did he, did he actually issue a poli- he did. an apology? He did. Uh, yeah. It was sad. Yeah, it was right. like a and I've been very so. So the dean, my stance the, up yeah. till this point has been that these th- <laughs> these things happen, but they're very isolated, and you know maybe not surprisingly, members of the conservative pundit class, but also a certain kind of liberal pundit class. They they pounce on these stories and want to turn it into like a generational trend and like a, just a massive threat to free speech and free expression at all universities where it's it, – and so they overhype it. And, and for them – and I still think that, although it's getting a little harder to think that, but, um, you know, as these incidents kind of start to pile up. But I still think they overhype it and they oversimplify it. And I, but I'm going to set that aside for for right now. I mean, I, I don't get, I don't understand. It's it's never clear. Like it, it's it's weird. I, so I, I so I so I I have a, a take on this. Um, but first, I want to actually read because I, I pulled it up. Um, Christakis. Um, orally in addressing his own students in his living room um, said um, he didn't print this apology. He, he spoke to them as, as a good person speaking eye to eye with the people who are actually the angriest and the most threatening. Um, he said, I've disappointed you and I'm really sorry. Nicholas Krasak has told about hundred students gathered in his living room on Sunday for a meeting also attended by Jonathan Holloway, the Dean of Yale college who but is the first African American in his living room. You know, it's Yale. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> that's why you. That's why you apologize. <laughs> I don't want to give yeah. up this living room that can fit a hundred people. Um, <laughs> Fuck it. If they want an apology, these whack jobs, I'll give them an apology. Um, so, uh, Chris Douglas said his encounter on Thursday with students in the college courtyard broke his heart. So he said, "I mean, it just broke my heart." I thought that I had some credibility with you. You know, I care so much about the same issues you care about. I've spent my life taking care of these issues of injustice, of poverty, of racism. I have the same beliefs that you do. I'm genuinely sorry to have disappointed you. I've disappointed myself. I don't think that there is anything wrong with that apology. I mean, the, the apology is an apology for... What is he disappointed with himself about? Well, there, I think that if it happened to me, there would be a number of things that I would be disappointed in myself about. One, for not being able to anticipate. And this is, this is one of the things that I think is maybe um, what Vlad was trying to say. Vlad Chidduck was trying to, to communicate to you in the Twitter exchange that you guys had. Again, yeah. see, see Thomas Drew. Where see I my Twitter feed for answers yeah, all your, like all your ibid, problems. Ibid, ibid, ibid. Um, <clears throat> so I, I agree that the responses have been, a lot of them have been excessive and irrational and really hard. I mean, there were people reportedly spitting on on uh, professors. Dean, the dean, Jonathan Holloway of Yale College, is an, the first African-American dean. He's had to deal with with being basically called a sellout and an uncle Tom. Um, he's, he's, it's, it's, it must be hard for these people who genuinely have, have 
struggled and 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 tried to do their best. But and there is terrible th- prejudice and faced terrible prejudice careers. And Peter Salovey, who's the president of Yale and uh, genuinely my friend because he's my former advisor, um, you know, gave gave a talk where he was like, you know, basically saying he didn't say much, but he was like look like there's a history of protest at Yale what he was referring to was some of that Black Panther shit that went down like back in the day which is like really yeah like that's that's some real shit um <laughs> that, but that, <laughs> put a pin in that because I have that, I had that thought which is like you read Malcolm X and you read like the Amherst thing, right and it's not yeah. you know but but I think that what's I think that these students f- for for us to understand what's going on with this reaction, I think that there are real frustrations yes. that are that build up and that don't have a good outlet. In some ways, in many ways, it's way more difficult. But in some ways, it's easier to know in the civil rights era when when you're facing like an unjust law. Like, what do you do if you just feel sort of downtrodden because? you get treated differently, but you can't even really say how it is and you can't really complain without playing the race card. And, and I think that this explosion of animosity amongst a lot of these very sort of liberal, often underrepresented minority, often just people who consider themselves allies is a miscalibrated response of frustration to a problem that they haven't even quite identified themselves. And it's a find finding enemies in people who are not their enemies, but who nonetheless might, you know, might have done a better job. I was just talking to a student for a long time today. People are nervous to talk about race, and I feel like it builds this tension up. And this is like the equivalent. This is the slap fight equivalent of a riot. No, but it's I, expressing a real frustration. It's expressing a frustration, and it's a frustration that's that's malformed. I, I think people don't even exactly know what they're frustrated at. But I was, <laughs> what I was saying, it was a throwback to our Spike Lee episode, which is that you know this is this is the Spike Lee throwing the the garbage can through Sal's pizzeria, except for our, where there's it's not clear why, right? Because right? hey, we had a long uh, this this episode wait i found it episode 58 we have this long discussion on the movie do the right thing and part of what's puzzling is that you know there was every reason to think that sal was a friend to spike lee the, the pizza owner was a friend to yeah. spike lee's character but nonetheless it ends with him throwing garbage can through and that's how i feel that's how i feel christakis must feel like he must feel like sal except for without all the actual probably secret use of the n-word or whatever like where he's like he's like wait you know i i thought i was like doing a good thing here being being you know why is the why is this all directed at me all of a sudden and i think it's because who there's no one no who do you direct that that sort of frustration toward right and and but i also and i have to say this and it's just gonna make you so fucking happy and i don't even want to say it yeah but this is the behavior of these students at elite universities yeah. who are living a life that is is in so many ways, not even the 1%, the 99.999% of the world, yeah. bitching this much in such an immature manner is just, to me, another version of the white entitled yeah, like, student. It's It's... It's really, in both cases, an immature way of dealing. These, it's the same. I sense the same. Like when I'm listening to to these protesters, I I don't know if they realize the irony of that they're sounding exactly the same as my students, who are basically don't understand why they shouldn't be getting an A in my class, even though they haven't put in nearly as much work as they think they have. Or yeah. right, it's no, it's an ugly kind of. You know, you're 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 looking through a prism of unimaginable privilege for most people. You're looking through that and generating your complaints about being oppressed. It's not that that there isn't a phenomenon that they're identifying that's frustrating, but the 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 way they react to it. It, it it definitely the way it plays anyway is like they have no idea what real problems are. They have no idea what people really face in the vast majority of this country. 
And, right. and I, and I want to say, like, I don't know what it's like to be a student of color at one of these universities. Like, right. I'm so, sure. yeah. right. and, and there is, a, there is probably a frustration that, that is, is a really different kind of frustration than their parents' generation faced where, but, but it, it seems, it seems miscalibrated, it, like the level of their anger. And the language of it, the rhetoric and, of it. And so calling Christakis disgusting and cursing at him to me is, is something that just, you, I understand frustration is frustration, but you don't need to go there. And if it were, if it were me, I would be ashamed of that behavior. If it were my kid, I'd be ashamed of their Christakis behavior. Christakis even my... said that too. He's so gracious. Like, he's like, look, none of us want to be judged by like somebody yeah. catching a video of he us. He went out of his way to tell yeah. us not to and judge that, that girl. Like, that, which right. just shows you, you know, what, what do you people say? He's a mensch, right? He's <laughs> really. Is. What do you, <laughs> you mean us people? See, this I is meant, like real genuine the, discrimination. This was is that a like, microaggression or was that just an aggression? That was just a, a hate crime. <laughs> I was speaking of the Yiddish. Um, so, so I, you know, I wish that I, I feel like there is just a deep immaturity and a lot. Of, like, if you read the Amherst complaints, it's it's a, a, an immaturity of the sort that, like, I mean, here in a really cognitive sense, where. Um, there is a miscalibrated understanding of what the president of a university can do. This is, let me just read. <laughs> let me read a little some excerpt from the Amherst <laughs> uprising. Uh, so that we uh, are, as a compassionate student body, have gathered to address the legacy of oppression on campus. If these goals are not initiated within the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours and completed by November eighteenth, clock is ticking, people. Seriously, we will wait, organize did they, did they and respond. Newspaper fonts <laughs> and like, we have your dog. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a continued failure to meet our demands, it will result in an escalation of our response. Jesus Christ. But this is, it's, 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 the language is like if is like 24 or something. Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Like. So President Martin must issue a statement of apology to students, alumni, and former students, faculty, administration, and staff who have been victim victims of several injustices, including, but not limited to, our institutional legacy of white supremacy, colonialism, anti-black racism. Isn't that... I'm just not... I'm not even going to comment. Anti-Latin X racism. You can be racist Thank you for... for uh, you're just it. accusing me of anti-Jewish racism, so you're going to... Anti-Native American ra- racism, anti-Native indigenous racism. Interesting distinction. I'll, I'll ask you about that later. Anti-Asian racism, anti-Middle Eastern racism, heterosexism, cis-sexism, xenophobia, anti-Semitism. Thank you. Ableism. <laughs> Mental health stigma and classism also include what, what 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 he has to issue an apology for just life. This is well. This is what I'm saying is like I don't I I don't want to take away from anybody who's actually experienced that at Amherst or in this country. What are but they What asking? is Biddy Martin gonna do? What is it? You know, to start a letter with a threat, and this is where I just think I wish that they had the wisdom of of some elders here. To, to really tell them, like, you know what, if you really, if you want to be heard respectfully, it doesn't help to start it with a threat. And, you know, I'm like, you want to call Malcolm X. Like, I actually thought, like, there were many cases in which the Black Panthers and, and, right. and the Nation of Islam, like, were right to threat. Yeah. But in this case, it just, to threaten, like, a vague what? threat at that, a vague threat, where, like, escalate, where escalate doesn't, you know. In response to something like, like, what did President Martin do? What is he supposed to apologize for specifically? Injustice in the world is what it sounds like. Then this is the one that everybody is picked up on. 
President Martin must uh, must issue a statement to the Amherst community at large that states that we do not tolerate the actions of students who posted the All Lives Matter posters and the free speech posters. Now, originally it was just the free speech posters, but now they clarify it because that stated in memoriam of the true victims of the Missouri protests, free speech. Also, let the student body know that it was racially insensitive to the students of color on our college campus and beyond who are a victim to racial harassment and death threats. There's not a single legitimate death threat of anybody who's claiming that there is a death threat ever. Like death threats now have no meaning anymore. They certainly don't mean that your life is threatened. I I just well, I mean, but 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 look, but. If if a black kid was threatened, I'm going to kill you because you're black. Yeah, but if that's that were not the what case. happened. All right. Well, th- I don't it's know. more yeah, like yeah. some guy on a blog commentary that are that are trolls. It's not a real death or whatever. Forget that. Alert them that student affair. This is the part that really bugs me. Not even the free speech. Like, yes, we have to take down the free speech posters. <laughs> so ridiculous. Alert them that student affairs may require them to go through the disciplinary process if a formal complaint is filed and they will be required to attend extensive training for racial and cultural competency. Now, that sounds like some Stalinist, like Maoist. And, and, and can you imagine what that extensive training for racial and cultural competency would look like? Like, <laughs> no. Okay. Someone so should I, embed themselves I, I and don't, then do like a long form. I don't want to give these students too much of a hard time because this whole document is so misguided in so many ways. Um, that and, and they're going to people are going to pile on this. And, this thing. and but here's the thing. Like, I do I do want to, like, chime in and say and this is probably where we disagree, where putting up hashtag all lives matter is to me just an ass wipe thing to do. But that's fine. That, OK, say it's an ass wipe thing to do. Yeah. Don't make them go through seminars and have them disciplined by the administration. Right. Like, I agree that a lot of this stuff should be dealt with and addressed. But the first step shouldn't be to complain to the administration all the time. Like, well, all that do does you... is bloat the administration. So Freddie DeBoer, so, who's like this progressive radical at Purdue, that I often disagree with, but he wrote something that's like, look, don't always whine to the administration because you're bloating it. You're building it up. And they are the problem. Like they, they've they developed this soulless corporate university and you're just feeding into that by by going to them every time you have a problem with someone who puts up a poster. But, like, but just I, hold deal on, with hold, that person. Hold on. I don't know. Throw that, a garbage can through their window. I, I that's don't know. better than making somebody do a racially insensitive sensitive but, training competency program do you have any bit of evidence that they went to the administration first and that nobody has ever addressed this like i'm gonna give you an example that that i but think they, they, it's not but, their but, job to address it like but they it, need to address no, no, it they're it, adults but, they're they're 18 to 22 years old address it, it yourself this is them addressing it this is you know people there there is there are, there are complaints that people like i i think that that for a second Take the perspective of, say, this kid who came to me um, in my office a couple years ago and he said, um, you know, I want to transfer out of Cornell. And at at first I thought he was just sort of being a little bit whiny because, you know, maybe he wasn't doing as well as as he wanted to. But it turns out the kid um, was gay, a man, and he started telling me examples of the things that he's personally experienced on campus in what is a very liberal, generally viewed probably as a very pro-gay town, a very liberal campus. And the shit he was telling me that he had been called, done, things that it was like I, I almost started crying in my office. And I don't think that in this case, he's never complained to the people like themselves. I don't think that, but but he felt really out of place on campus. Now, that's not to say that another kid with a different sort of constitutional makeup like wouldn't be more resilient to these things. But I think that that he felt really like nobody was listening to this to this. And I honestly didn't realize what a problem homophobia still was on this campus until I started talking to some of these. And I don't think that it's 
it's not that I think that they they shouldn't complain to the administration. It's just that this here's where we agree. This is just the wrong way to do it. I mean, if they received any communique from the administration telling them that unless they complied within 48 hours, they would be fucking up in arms. And so it's the little bit of ex- life experience that says, like, you know, you're frustrated and, and you you might actually even be like able to make real change if you just approached these things, you know, even if they said like you're right in this way, like if they said we've been growingly frustrated at what we think of as is a non-tolerant and here is what we've done. This is what, these are the concrete things that have happened to this person, this person, this person, this person. We don't know who to talk to. Can you please let us know what we can do um, to make this a better, you know, a, a better place, like complain, protest, do it. Just don't spit on motherfuckers. Yeah, no, and, and also, yeah, yeah, don't spit on people. Don't don't just demand for everybody to be fired constantly. These people have jobs and lives. That guy would, if he's fired, your friend, he goes from having a living room that can fit a hundred people to like <laughs> trying to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> trying to feed his family again. He's, by uh, the way, a, he's a great social scientist. You should follow him on Twitter. Well, I don't know if he's probably not on Twitter a lot right now, but um, but yeah. Yeah, no. I I thought we were going to disagree a lot more because I agree with you that that's a very frustrating place. And I, and I think we both agree that this is just even from a purely cynical political like standpoint of trying to address this injustice in the most effective possible way the the injustices that there are that they are these seem to be not the right way of doing it um i want to say though and this came out in my twitter mini beef with vlad although i think it was actually very friendly yeah i read it it was too uh, it was really amicable it was like not even close it was more like veggie meat (laughs) yeah i mean so like i agree that there's a certain percentage of students that are genuinely victims of prejudice, of marginalization, of a kind of oppression, you know, and that that happens on college campuses. And then it's important to address the issue, although the way to address it aren't always – it's not always right to go right to the administration as a way to do that. No. But I also think that what people like Vlad don't do enough in my view is also just admit that there are a certain percentage of students and they're usually from hyper-privileged backgrounds, usually at these really wealthy institutions like Yale or Wesleyan or Oberlin or Hampshire or Smith or Amherst, Right. Calling out names. Calling out names. You're calling out names. Yeah. Well, that's because like for a long time, every every article on this mentioned Oberlin because they had. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. My friend is a professor in philosophy and he's a libertarian there. Can you imagine? He must be in constant fury. Just like (laughs) he's just constantly like this is like me during deflate gate, like during that whole thing. I was just constantly stomping around my house furious at like the latest new thing. You're like a cartoon with that little smoke coming out of your head. (laughs) Again, not not picking on Vlad at all because I I, but I but I mean like Vlad and his ilk could also, in the same way that I think certain people will acknowledge the real issues that students have to address, they should acknowledge that some students really exaggerate their victimization and to a point where it's almost offensive (laughs) to people who are really suffering from oppression and and just hardships that like that 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 they can't even imagine facing in college students there is a small minority of students i'm not saying that that every student you pick a student who's complaining about being victimized they they might genuinely be victimized but there's a certain kind of uh, of student that will exaggerate the degree to which you know like those the, those students the, the ones that said that they couldn't sleep or eat after the email that Erica, what's right. the last name? Chris Dacus. I she this is this was from the Yale like op-ed. Yeah. I, I I have had to watch my friends defend their right to this institution. First of all, what, what does that even mean? This email and the subsequent reaction to it have interrupted their lives. I have friends who are not going to class, who are not doing their homework, who are losing sleep, who are skipping meals, and who are having breakdowns from that email. From that email that you read, like that's that. That's but I think Vlad's point is that it wasn't from just that email and that that 
that what you're failing to acknowledge is that this is just sort of scratch this this is the the straw right that that it could be a whole series of frustrations because i i i don't believe that there is something that wrong with people that that it could be just completely just like this one thing i think that there is probably and i've been to I mean, I was at Yale for five years. Like, I know there's just a bunch of douchebags who treat other people poorly and that there are probably a, gr- a set of people who are targeted by those people. But I, where we agree is on what to do next. What do you do when you feel that way? But I also Be- think one of the things that you acknowledge is there are certain people who are who have a kind of hysterical overwrought reaction to just life. And that that's like, you know, like, yeah, that's sort of what I'm saying again, about, like, I think this. it's exaggerated. I think it's overhyped by the by the media often. But there are, you know, those students do exist. They're not always right. They're not always reasonable They're in like- how they respond to what they consider to be offensive or aggressive no. speech. I, in this, but in this particular, I mean, one thing that's not new is that students would would have, like be immature. So I don't think, I think any that, of this is new. I think this has I, always been here. It's just social media. That well, has, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think that one thing, though, like if I really if I really watch this and I try to learn from it, I think to myself, well, what what can I what can I do to avoid this? Not out of some fear that I'm going to be accused, but actually out of a way in which which I could prevent such a thing from happening by creating cr- creating a situation which I think Chris Hawkins probably thought he was doing where people can genuinely come to you and talk about their frustrations before this happens. So I can try to change students one at a time from being, but they are, this is just a different kind of entitlement um, and a different kind of overreaction. Instead of overreacting to an A minus, they're overreacting to an email. I, you know, I read that email and I can see some passages that might be taken, but it it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if she said, um, you know, what's wrong with offensive costumes and left it at that. There's a way in which Suck you up, should, you, you should be able to like, well, I don't think it's, I mean, again, I don't like you, the sentiment that you're expressing. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not saying like, I'm saying that like. Yeah, if the email had been like that. Right, 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 right. The but, opposite. but I can see. I'm not yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if the emails went straight from your brain to to like Gmail. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I have a little part of my brain that thinks that. <laughs> you um, know what? Like that that somebody dressing up like a member of the Gestapo. Like, uh, but I know, yeah, I know, I'm still I like I don't so, count. I don't count as a minority. I would be mad. I mean, I would be mad. But we would act different. You know, you're allowed to be mad and offended. And I think there's plenty of, as I was saying, like every year, there's plenty of Facebook pictures on like people dressing up like really fucked up shit that they shouldn't have done because. But in my world, it's because they would probably have gotten punched in the face. Um, (laughs) Whereas um, so so there is there is this weird way in which, yeah, they're miscalibrated in terms of the magnitude of their response. But in the. In the language that it demands that they deserve a certain level of sort of immediate response to any need. And I think that in this case, sometimes it's about grades. Sometimes it's about, you know, food, the food in the cafeteria. And this time it's about like, you know, but what do you so if you can do anything like what 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 do you think you could do to prevent this sort of thing? Well, it's weird. So, I like. I also think my perspective can be skewed sometimes because where I teach is, I think it's now was just listed as the second most diverse campus in the country, and is far less than fifty percent white at our campus. Right, and it's just races from. I I, I will say that African Americans are probably the least well represented of all the different. Um, races and ethnicities. But now, of course, that wasn't the case when I was at the University of Minnesota Morris, where everyone was like, Eliza was the black kid because she had slightly darker hue to her skin and wasn't like (laughs) blonde Lutheran. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know what you do. But I do think free, this is where the principles of free expression are important and shouldn't be 
trod upon in the ways that some of these students are demanding. Some of these students complain that when people defend the right to free expression, that that itself is a kind of racist or or dismissive of concerns. And, you know, again, there's always a little grain of truth to what they it's, to those it, yeah, to, the, it's, to, to it, what they're saying but at it's the, same the attitude time, sometimes with which people say it it's like yeah. you know it's like when you hear some drunk white kid saying like how come there's no white history month well like <laughs> you're like you're not not being racist <laughs> you're not fighting for like the the principles of you can just tell there's a little bit behind that so when people say like all lives matter i can see what's behind that because in the absence of black lives matter it wouldn't be anything wrong to say but like no i mean i i get it i i get that i still think though even when you object to it there's i mean this is the whole point of freedom of expression is you allow objectionable speech to be heard and you and, and there's a cost to that but the cost is well worth it because you have a environment where people are allowed to express dissenting views. Like that's just, and the cost of that is that certain people will be offended and and that objectionable speech will still be heard. That is a cost that you suffer if you are committed to the ideals of free expression. Although, now, you know, so there is, there is a way in which calling all of this stuff a debate about free speech is, is probably not right. I mean, there's, there is no protection against an institution who wants to fire somebody for saying something that they disagree with, right? This is about the free speech. No, 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 right? no. It's so, not uh, about the legal. You're right. It's not a it's okay. not a legal question, although it would be on a at a public university, yeah. not the places that you frequent. It's more just the principle of it. I can only the, fit the, the, 50, the principle I can only behind fit 50 the students in my living room. What? I can only fit 50 students in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sure. I want, I'm I'm demanding. I, in fact, I want an apology that I can only fit probably at most 20 students in my living room. And I have a big living room. It's like most of the house. <laughs> All right. I demand an apology. Be, this was supposed to be 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I, I can't believe that this is the same exact topic. And last time we couldn't get through it without like screaming at each other. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> We've learned. We're maturing. See, and this is this is why like i i think sometimes these kids need to be taught what i i can't for the life of me i can't imagine what it must feel like to demand of the administration that within 48 hours they respond exactly as you've outlined in this really long document I don't, I can't, it just doesn't, it's, it's, it's so, hard to get into their heads. It's really hard to get, again, I feel like it's the same exact sentiment that we had, like, we have every once in a while students um, sit in on faculty committees yeah. and, you know, there was one student who was like, they're, they're, they're always trying to change something or other. In this case, it was like, a, I think a, a well-intentioned change to make per, um, professors, post their syllabi online before registration or something like that. But they also wanted to make um, all teaching uh, evaluations public. So they wanted a website where all teaching evaluations were posted. And professors, they don't do that now, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Right. But the attitude with which they demanded it, right? I, I had to tell the kid, like, You're, this is not going to work. There's not... There's no, there's no dick you can pull out that's big enough to make the president and provosts change. I'm sorry. Like, this is a good first start. Like, work, let's work for some realistic goals here and, and adopt an attitude of like evidence, bring evidence that in other places where this has been done, it works or like, you know, bring arguments, don't demand. Or get the football team (laughs) (laughs) refuse to play brown that doesn't work so much in the places i I I (laughs) this is all just i have a whole side of me where i think that the the media just exaggerates this whole thing to well beyond like that this is a major threat to academic freedom and the the thing that i take personally is this idea that john height the coddling of the american mind where he says all college students is a whole generation of students are coddled 
my I take it personally because my students are the opposite of that. Over, they have hurdles and obstacles and problems that I never even dreamed about going to school. And I was not I did not have a privileged background. I mean, I did in the context of like American history and world history, but like compared <laughs> to a lot of the people who who went to uh, Penn, where I went to, it's like I was like the poor kid. I was Kenny, but but you went to Penn, but I went to Penn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Like I never had to do the things that they they have. They're working two jobs. They have families to support. They're often having serious like personal struggles. Uh, mental. There's a lot of mental health issues. There's like, and they're still doing it. They're taking five classes. They're doing well. They're committed. Like, and the idea that 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 would be called coddled by somebody who you know, like I think a lot of the the authors that write these, they yeah. all they know is Yale, Harvard. Pan, that's all they know. It, it's ironically a an example of the media reflecting only a certain segment of the population. That's right. Um, I have a friend who works at Cal State San Bernardino, also, you know, super diverse. Um, he teaches a course on intelligence. And there it actually is, I think, mostly Mexican and black. Um, white is a minority. <clears throat> um, and... He every year asks students what if they have a, a topic for lecture that they want. So they put they literally write down the topic and they put it in a hat and he just, you know, he picks one and he says the number one thing they wanted to hear about was race and IQ. And he was like, I don't fucking want to lecture about that. Like I he 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 didn't want but these are like largely minority kids who actually wanted to hear about this like they they were curious they wanted to know it he certainly didn't feel threatened by them he felt like he was disappointing them by not having the balls to like be able to actually like deliver a lecture like this because he was jewish of course but um yeah there are certainly like tons and tons of kids who have again even in these institutions real real good kids who are just a sponge soaking up everything and want to learn and i feel like if you set the right environment um, in other cases, you really have a ton of good kids. Like, but yeah, no, they're, they're like, I admire them. A lot of them, you know, I admire, they're like the best people I know. And that's why I really, I think I, I, I hate the people who, who generalize about a whole generation of college students. I, I, I dislike that attitude more than I dislike the Amherst students. You know, yeah, right. Although right, I think right. it comes from the same place, a just ignorance, a kind of class based ignorance, yeah, about yeah. what real people have to face. And again, this isn't to minimize, you know, no, to add I, I, the proviso, but well, you know, when you do it begrudgingly, it doesn't sound too sincere. <laughs> well, <it's China. laughs> fine, racism. Fine, um, some people have experienced racism. My, my oppressed, my oppressed background, I have not. <laughs> I have not seen any instances of race. Um, I I think that this is another case of actually this is a microcosm of the political sphere in America just in general where I think that the liberal and the conservative um, just yell around. You just yell a lot. <laughs> From positions of privilege. At least in sports, there is a general understanding that it's completely arbitrary and no one gives a <laughs> fuck like <laughs> But in our country, it it has actual implications when it's a political discussion. Well, it's funny. Like everyone talks about the conservative bubble and there is also a kind of liberal at Oberlin bubble. Oh, yeah. Know, there's a liberal the, at Cornell. I mean, there's a, where the secret code words, you know, that like indicate that you're in you're in the club or, you know, if you know exactly the right words to use, God forbid you don't know the right words to use because then – then like all of a sudden it's like, wow, what, how insensitive some people, maybe you could set them aside and say, you know what? We don't say, you, we don't say colored anymore or whatever. I remember there was a Jefferson's where I think they were only on to colored by then. Like it was, it was before African-American and it was, it was like, we don't say black. Negro now we say colored. No, it was black. It was so it was colored black. was before the Jefferson's Negro. Was? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm the colored was way. Yeah, the color colored is, is sixties, fifties <laughs> yeah. and sixties. Yeah. That's I like how we're doing. 
That's <laughs> the most ludicrous reading. I love the Jefferson. Although book. my little Orthodox I, Jewish cousin at my bar mitzvah, there was uh, a black kid because he was one of my mom's friends, and she yeah had a kid with a black guy, and her son was there, and he was running around at the bar mitzvah, and then one of my Jewish relatives who's younger than me, it was a ten year old kid, he said, "Am I going out of my mind, or is there a little colored kid running?" <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) So, you know, maybe we can conclude with this. I think what the what the world needs a little bit right now is a bit more humor where where and like I know there's all kinds of racial tension for all kinds of reasons right now and all kinds of like good and bad reasons to complain but like we need some Watch humor. Some key, we need, we to, need some Key and Peel. Oh my god! I downloaded season three of Key and Peel, and I was just watching it with my daughter this weekend, uh, and we were just having like <laughs> such so a good great. time. Like <laughs> there is just this. It's the and and I, it led to a real conversation where my daughter was genuinely asking me why if race if racism is a bad thing, why do they talk about it so much? It seems as if you would not want, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to point out racism all the time because it would just be hurtful. And I was like, well, this is the beauty of the humor is that like where people just are so uncomfortable talking about it. But when you put it in jokes, it's like, Hey, you can kind of just like, just, all right, man, that's true. You can face it. That's sort of true. Without being defensive. Like, yeah. Yeah. Did you see the Negro Town, which is from their last yeah, episode? Yeah. That was uh, key. That was the key and peelist of key and peel. Or the hoodie. Like talk yeah. about just social commentary yeah. there where you can really, you can open up, you can avoid defensiveness. I think defensiveness is here is like the real enemy. Yeah. It's a real yeah. enemy to like getting any communication done. And this is why I think, by the way, Vlad is good at, even though there are true differences in opinion, Vlad yeah. is a, is always a good person to go to for yeah. a non-defensive to, defense. Right. To, and to get this that side, like we were saying, we can't get in the head of some of these people. Like, <laughs> right. He's a gateway. to. He's a gateway. Get, he was an undergrad yeah. at Yale. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I want to get Vlad on because, God damn it, he does the best Josh Nob impression. <laughs> he does... He, he he not sounds for, like Josh, more like Josh Nob than Josh Nob does, <laughs> and right. I want that to be a running segment, and the, I want him to come on. So yeah, I actually want to play a game where we'll have Josh and Vlad come on and read a line, like you know, at the beginning of yeah. uh, of the um, the Usual Suspects. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great the lineup. Yeah, just have yeah. them just have them all read the same, have them both read the same statement. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, I think we're going to now put Valerie off one more week. It's worth the wait. It Build suspense. Wait. And then we'll do this episode, which we've rambled for way too long. Uh, and then we'll and then you only have to wait one week for the next Very Bad Wizard. And then two more weeks until the greatest episode. Maybe the episode we'll just have to end on because it, it'll be so amazing. Mr. Robot season <laughs> Mr. <one>. Robot <laughs> season recap is so timely. But I think I we can both agree that we've solved all of the problems um, in the world today. Yeah. All campus problems are solved. We've made headway. I don't know if we've solved the <laughs> Islam like par- we haven't solved <laughs> ISIS. We haven't solved ISIS, but we've made a lot of headway. We're practically there. <laughs> if we recorded a little longer, I we know. could do it. <laughs> we could do it. <laughs> we could do it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> My dog is acting weird. Join us next time on Very Bad Wizards. Just a very bad wizard.